Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. Well, hey, welcome to the cabin. Uh, you've made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Kreitlow, Managing Editor of UpNorthNewsWI.com. I'm Kristen Bry. You can find me on social media on as, at Asgos, Wisconsin. And I'm Kirk Bankstead with the Monocro Brewing Company. And we uh, join you live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio News Talk 92.7 and play it back over the weekend. And we uh, post it at upnorthpodcast.com. And uh, the minions that Kirk uh, you know, has b- behind the uh, podcast have found us an email address. So you can now send us love letters. Uh, info at upnorthpodcast.com because we're not very creative about email addresses. So info at upnorthpodcast.com. We're going to uh, start with the latest from the battlefield. Uh, It's that time of year where there's war going on in Wisconsin. I am, of course, referring to homeowners versus Buckthorn. Uh, And just to be clear, this is a war. I want to say for the record, if I could bring anybody from the past back into the present, it wouldn't be Abraham Lincoln. It wouldn't be Moses. It would be whatever idiot in Europe said, look at this buckthorn. This is cool. I'm going to bring this to America. It would be very decorative. Um, how does that song go, Kristen, on your on your videos? My back hurts. My my something's too. I, oh. I, I, <laughs> it's like uh, my bra hurts. My back too tight. Something like that. Somebody should have made, <laughs> made a TikTok of, of me pull, trying to pull buckthorn out from the, the property line here. I, I don't imagine that's, that's something that you've had to uh, endure up around Manaqua Kirk, uh, or, well, or do you have your own battle of the weeds? We don't have a, I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pat, but I have to say before I lived up North, I was in New York city. So we didn't have a lot of buckthorn. What is, is this just like shrubbery? Yeah. What are we talking shrub, about here? A, it looks like a small tree, but then it kind of shrubs, you know, shrubs out. So it's, and it's just, it's, it's a weed. It's an, I mean, you could leave it alone, but it's not good for the, for the soil. It's not good for the native plants. It's not good for the, you know, birds, uh, you know, don't even get anything out of the berries. So you're supposed to get rid of it. You're supposed to then after you cut it, you're supposed to dab a little bit of roundup, you know, on, on it. So it doesn't grow further. And I don't know that I'm really into playing with carcinogens, you know, for lawn and garden stuff. So I'd rather just take the roundup and just Again, dab it right on the lips of whoever thought bringing buckthorn to this country was was a good idea. Not that we had to worry about that this week, mind you, because Kristen is here now. But for a while, she was Nanook of the North, hunkered down during some uh, some snow that was was falling down uh, around parts of Wisconsin this week. Kristen, we tried to get you to send a video of when you were out in the snow there. Well, yesterday, so I went to Madison yesterday to film some stuff around the Capitol and it was like, it was cold, but it, and it was only a couple of snow flurries. I don't even know if it would have shown up on the camera. But then today I was on a call and just looked out my window and it looked like it was January. It was insane. Like it was just like chunky, thick snowflakes falling down. And then I had to go out and do an errand. And I, I mean, it was not good driving conditions. It was definitely, it was definitely snow that was, uh, uh, obtrusive into people's di- like day to day. I think there was a t- bunch of car accidents because 
it's Wisconsin and this is what, and where we, we choose and we to live. How to drive. And this is no. where we choose to live, uh, yep. where it still snows 10 days out from May. So, so we did, you know, while you tend to do most of the, you know, the short uh, little videos for Asco's Wisconsin and, and for Up North News, we had Jonathan Sadowski, who was on the show uh, last week, we, we had him do a short video of him just standing outside uh, in Oak Creek, uh, Milwaukee suburb, and the snow is just coming down hard. And we just have him stand there looking at the camera, holding a calendar to the month of April, and just <laughs> glaring, because that's what we ask for when, when we move to the frozen tundra. But, you know, theater of seasons, folks. The, the, theater of seasons. We'll be back fighting Buckthorn and, and doing other gardening things before before you know it. Hopefully getting sunburned soon. I could really go for a sunburn right now. I'm just going to say it. Do you know, what, you know what's happening up here, Pat? We're like putting waders on and putting our docks in when it's 30 below or 30 degrees and snowing. Like there's, you have to put on the heavy duty waders in order to not just freeze completely getting into the lakes right now. But so many people are doing it. Well, that lead, leads me into into the story of why we don't do that anymore up here on Lake Wasoda. <laughs> when, when we first moved here, which was 26 years ago now, um, a bunch of us uh, up and down the street would gather twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall, we'd put on our waders and we'd roll our docks in and we'd roll our boat lifts in. And then, you know, we'd roll them back out in the fall, which was a lot tougher because, you know, some of the banks are kind of steep. And at the end, we'd, you know, we, we would uh, toast our manliness with a couple of beers, you know, well, fast forward a couple of years and pretty soon we're not young men anymore and we're falling off of you know the dock as it goes in we're dropping the boat lift on somebody's foot we're banging our head on a canopy cover and it was about that time that one of the neighbor's sons uh was you know getting to be about 18 or so talk about a light bulb moment for a kid from up north he and his buddy <laughs> started a company around Lake Wasota that just puts in the docks and the boat lifts. And we're at that age now where we're like, yeah, we've got disposable income here. You do it, young man. And they have made quite a name for themselves just by being the, the, the new group of young people putting it in. But I can't wait to see them in about 10 years when they go, yeah, we're just going to hire this out too. <laughs> Let's get to some headlines here. We'll start with, uh, you know, while we, we tend to focus on stories up north, we, we can't possibly get through the week without... Uh, briefly acknowledging what was the you know the big story around the country, and that's Wisconsin's own connection to the uh, Derek Chauvin trial, the now former Minneapolis cop who killed George Floyd. It triggered protests nationwide last year, as you know, Wisconsin included. But here's the thing: it it didn't just happen in big cities. These demonstrations, yeah, you saw those and you saw the unrest. But there were demonstrations in all kinds of small Wisconsin communities, and we covered that over at Up North News, how there were there were marches in um, all manner of places. In, in I think it was Maryland. about like 27. I remember counting because I did a video last year that that covered all of it. And it was I think it was over 20. It was certainly over 20 cities in Wisconsin. I think approaching 27 mm -hmm. from everywhere from Stevens Point. I mean, Rapids had a small one. Uh, I think every single city that has had a UW campus had one like it was it was wildly impressive I remember because I had only been back in Wisconsin at that point for three months and I just remember being very moved by how many people I mean obviously nationwide but in Wisconsin in communities that don't have a lot of black people um how many people were still showing up this around this time last year a little almost this time last year 
Yeah, it was a case of, as one person uh, described it in, in our article that we posted Wednesday, you know, it, it was kind of euphemistic, but all the good cops just are finally got fed up with the bad cops. And that's not just the actual cops, but but people as well, people that had said enough. And, you know, I, I think that that's a large reason, not just that the video existed, but that you saw the, the, the population, you know, turn the corner and say, we can't just keep turning a blind eye to this. Now in Wisconsin, not long after that, you also had the, the shooting of Justin Blake in Kenosha by a police officer there that shot him seven times in the back. And that too was captured on video. And so again, it, it furthered the discussion of needing to do something. Uh, Governor Evers and Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes called for a special session. Speaker Robin Voss of the assembly said no but I will appoint a task force. And just this week, the task force uh, put out some of its recommendations. But again, they're just recommendations. Now they go to the legislature, this same Republican led group that has ignored previous calls to work on police reform, gun safety, things like that. So again, maybe the public pressure from seeing all these uh, demonstrations, all these people who care, you know, maybe that will move the legislature. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to bet the farm on it, but it, but it is the thing that we're going to be looking forward to um, now that that recommendation is out. Pat, one thing I, you know, always thought, like, obviously up north, it's not like we have a ton of uh, people of color up here. But the thing that resonated with me in this whole uh, situation where, where there were so many protests was like, like, we have every city has taken public funds away from uh, other social uh, stuff like mental health uh, institutions and social workers and you know marriage counselors, they've taken funds away, um, public funds away, um, because of course you know we're, we need small government. We can't afford these things for the people, human services. But whenever there's a uh, a bill or a you know a talk about like fighting crime or being strong against crime, you can't not you know, fight crime. So there's a lot of money that has kept on going to police forces, but has been taken away from other areas of, uh, well, of city it's because, government. It's because we ask police now more than ever to be, you know, marriage counselors and mental health experts and, and you know, uh, you know, drug support instead of actually just working to prevent crime. And so, uh, yes, there, there's a lot of folks, myself included, that think that that term, you know, defund the police uh, was probably not the, the, the best named uh, function of what, frankly, a lot of police actually want. They don't want to be defunded, but they want these other functions that you just talked about, Kirk, to be funded. Yep. I, so I said refund the government and not necessarily defund the police. I wish that was what the mantra was. Well, it is, in, I saw this, some, I think I saw it on Twitter this morning, which is a why, this isn't Wisconsin specific, this is our whole country, but uh, where, where US police spending ranks among worldwide military expenditures, between state and local governments collectively, we spend more on our police than basically every other country besides China spends on their military. On their military, that's the thing. Yeah. Which is insane, I mean, I mean granted, insane. But, like, but that's like India, like India who has a lot more people than us. Cause you know, I think you always, people always make the argument that like we have a much larger, larger population than most countries in like the individual EU countries and stuff. But like 
India is way bigger than us. And in this report, India spends $71 billion on their military and we spend $118 billion. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole point again being we want good police. We want good policing. We want good services and that there are in fact uh, plenty of resources to more properly allocate them, which is only going to increase safety of police as well as the community if you do it right. Now, still to come, we didn't even advertise her yet. Wausau Mayor Katie Rosenberg is joining us in our second half hour. But coming up after the break, cookie cutters. They belong in the kitchen, not your state legislator's office. We'll explain. You are up north. The Up North Podcast is a group endeavor of the individuals yapping at you right now. And that's our cue to talk about our day jobs. Uh, Kirk Bankstead will talk about Monaco Brewing Company in a sec. Kristen Bry will tell you about Asgos, Wisconsin. And I'm Pat Kreitlow, the managing editor of an entirely separate entity from this podcast called Up North News, a no-nonsense digital newsroom that tells you all about how today's headlines impact Wisconsin families and the things we value about living up here. Up North News explains in plain English how people in Madison and Washington are making decisions that help or hurt our hometowns, what's working and what's not, who's working and who's not. Uh, we live to expose misinformation, and we tell the stories of people and places and happenings that frankly make this state the best state, if we do say so ourselves. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI or at our website, upnorthnewswi.com. Kristen. I am Kristen Bry, creator of As Goes Wisconsin, which is a daily series of social media videos that combines all things Wisconsin, whether it's our history, some of our sports, our politics, but breaks it all down with a comedic twist in videos that are less than 60 seconds. You can find them uh, on the daily, whether it's on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at As Goes Wisconsin, uh, and come, come get a little bit of comedic relief because you always need that. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, let me talk a little bit about the Monaco Brewing Company. So I just went to Hudson, Eau Claire, Apple, and Appleton last week and found some uh, retail partners to help sell my beer. And uh, I finally found a distributor to get my beer out to Madison and Milwaukee. And obviously that's good for me, but I think that's good for Wisconsin too, because 5% of the profits of all of my beer sales go to the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack where I call that's a dark money meant for good. We are uh, fighting gerrymandering up in the North Woods by calling voters and telling them how bad it is uh, for Wisconsinites. We're, uh, we, we're taking the uh, donations of Tom Tiffany this week, and we're going to do the top 10 list of companies who have donated to uh, a guy who was uh, part of the insurrection, uh, who fomented the insurrection on uh, January 6th by you know not accepting the results of the presidential election. So we are fighting hard for up north to uh, make it uh, as make politics as clean as our lakes and streams. So if you want to support this effort, please buy our beer, buy our T-shirts, or donate straight to our super PAC. You can find out how to do all that stuff at www.monacobrewingcompany.com. And we also want to thank Devil Radio, News Talk 92.7, where we air live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And the Up North podcast is made possible by Sitecast, a leading nationally recognized website solutions firm based in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, because, hey, 
nerds live up north too. Kirk, put down the beer. That's your cue. <laughs> oh, am I supposed to say something? Oh, welcome. Oh, yeah. Well, I was getting I was getting a little thirsty. I had a lot of talking to do in that last segment. So sorry about that. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead from Lake Wanakwa. Pat Kreitlow is on Lake Wissota. And Christian Bry is along Lake Michigan. Kristen, let's uh, talk about a story that you were helping us uh, work out with uh, for Up North News. It's kind of a cross between what your legislators are doing, uh, what they should be doing. And, you know, I described it as cookie cutters, but there, there's probably better terminology for it. But uh, what, what were you learning about this week? Well, I appreciated the cookie cutter uh, terminology because now I have a kitchen full of cookies uh, that I used as props for the video uh, that I now have to send with my boyfriend off to a bachelor party so I don't eat them all weekend. <laughs> uh, but so I am making videos for Up North News right now, which has been really great and trying to use, uh, you know, my ability to try to make the super complicated super not and, and make some explainers on some of the stories that Up North News is already doing in print. And one of which was from earlier this month, uh, uh, article that covered the anti-trans bill that got uh, introduced earlier this year, not only in Wisconsin, but in 20 plus states. And in that article, uh, there was an angle of trying to explain some of the different groups that, the group that was behind this one, which was, uh, the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, um, but then also explain ALEC. And so this, the video that I was going to do was more about what is ALEC and trying to explain that. And so in researching that, I stumbled upon this idea of, quote, model legislation. And uh, two years ago, so in 2019, USA Today, the Arizona Republic, and the Center for Public Integrity basically revealed a report that they had done over millions of records on hundreds of computers, basically comparing and contrasting all of these state bills that have been introduced between 2010 and 2018. And basically 10,000, they found 10,000 bills that were almost entirely copied from model leg legislation. So basically like a copy and repeat, copy and repeat, and then dump those, get those peddled to each state house from these special interest groups, whether it was corporations or think tanks or industry groups, but basically outside of the state coming state to state, trying to get different legislatures to introduce the bill as their own idea, even though a lot of times these lawmakers don't even know what's in the bill or who it actually was written by. Right. And, and you you noted, you know, and, and the Associated Press actually mentioned it first that when it came to these anti-trans bills, um, you know, they've been introduced in, you know, 20 some states. And how many instances where the author of the legislation in that state could point to an actual problem in their state with trans athletes? And I believe the number, Kristen, was uh, zero. Zero. I think I literally think the only this all stemmed from this one case in Boston or one case in Massachusetts that has sparked all of this. But across, I mean, it's so that's I mean, there's the the without going down the rabbit hole of the problematic uh, and uh, uh, discriminatory nature of that bill. The what I found interesting is just the shift of this has happened because Congress, U.S. Congress, has been so gridlocked for so long that a lot of these special interest groups have 
not been able to get the things done that they needed to get done or they used to be able to get done. And so thus they've start started infiltrating state state the state lawmakers and state legislatures. And it's just, you know, normally this is how we make bill like this, our state reps are supposed to take problems from their constituents right. and make laws versus this top down people who don't even live here trying to like impact the way that we make yeah. our laws. And so yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. 10,000 bills that have been copied, you know, uh, rather than the legislator writing it themselves is really something. Uh, we're going to take our break right here. And in our second half hour, Wausau Mayor Katie Rosenberg will join us. You're up north. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow along Lake Wissota. Kirk Bangstad is over on Lake Minocqua, Kristen Bry along Lake Michigan. And we are happy to welcome to the cabin, Katie Rosenberg, the mayor of Wausau. Nice to have you with us, Katie. Hey, thanks for having me. I mean, I guess I technically have Lake Wausau. <laughs> you, you are... Um, you're, you're our favorite up north mayor. Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I can only say I'm that now because Larry McDonald. Well, Larry McDonald. <laughs> I second. I second that. I second that. <laughs> I'll go a step further and said I, I got drinks with Jesse Apoyan last night, and we both agreed that we, you might be our favorite Wisconsin politician. Oh my! There's a lot of pressure there. I think <laughs> <laughs> being that person. Oh, <laughs> I'll take it though. There, I was going to say there, there's worse problems that you can have. You know. Yeah. And you have to enjoy it because you've been mayor for pretty much exactly one year now, right? Yeah, it's been officially a year today. So I've been trying to reflect on the last crazy year of urgency and uh, loneliness, but it's been good. Done. <laughs> well, happy anniversary. Kirk and I have our beers here. So I'll, we, we, I hoist my Cheers. summer candy to you. <laughs> For old anxiety. I was wondering how long it would take before we got opera singing, actually. <laughs> not that long. That wasn't, that was just slight singing, oh, not no. opera He's singing. He's actually, you've yeah. actually got more singing out of him than the rest of us so far on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we do get so. to see his claw, his opera claw at one point, but it's a podcast, so no one else got to see oh, it. It's dramatic. It is Drama. very dramatic. It, it is. So now you didn't come into this like, you know, with, with blinders on or anything, because you'd served on the Marathon County Board. So, you know, you, you do have some perspective, but uh, I'm going to ask anyway, how's it been compared to what you thought it might be knowing full well, when you first were going to run, you weren't expecting a global pandemic. So that oh, aside, yeah. you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, uh, what'd you think of the job after a year? <laughs> yeah. So I announced in June, 2019, and I was all about strategy and making sure we were kind of going through these transparent processes. I mean, I was so pumped about this strategic plan. And then when I got into office, we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're safer at home and got to figure out how to serve people in this kind of environment. So um, not at all what I expected to be spending that first year on, um, but we're finally kind of getting to some of that stuff that I wanted to work on. So it only took a year. Um, you know, I think probably the hardest part is watching your fellow citizens suffer through this. You know, I, I'm lucky. I have a job that's guaranteed for four years for the most part. Um, and people are going hungry and people are losing their jobs and their businesses. And so that's really tough. So we've just been working so hard to try to address some of that, but Wow, that feels tough. <laughs> I know, but and, and don't get too full of yourself on the four-year thing. You know, Marshfield isn't that far away from you where they've had yeah, their own mayoral drama here. But to the things that you wanted to do, I mean, part of part of you know why you won was also that you didn't come at it from this 
partisan political standpoint. It was very much some basic issues about, you know, services and, and you know, strategy and, and investments, um, you know, so you kind of showed, as we've seen in, in other races around the country, that, you know, voters aren't always looking for the red meat. Sometimes they're looking for somebody that just wants their local government to run better. What, what kind of ideas did you bring and have they, how have they gone so far? Yeah, you know, we've had um, lots of discussions in Wausau about whether or not maybe we need professional management here. You know, we don't have a city administrator. We have a full-time mayor. Um, and it's one of those conversations that comes up routinely. So I thought, you know, maybe we start this conversation with, you know, I talked to my favorite administrator and I said, what did you do? How did you make your, your thing happen? And so we talked a lot about it. It's building the right culture. It's working on strategy. It's making sure you're communicating what you're doing all the time. Um, and of course, being an elected official is way better than being a hired official by a board because you can be a little political too. So um, I feel like I get the best of both worlds. I think one of the things about, you know, just being up north and, and granted things have gotten more political recently, more divisive, but, you know, during my time as a state senator up there, I said there, there's so many people who they know what side of the of the aisle you're on, but they'll still come up and talk to you because they still know you're going to get a, a respectful conversation. You might not agree, but you can still talk about things. And I, I think that's really what a lot of your constituents are, are, are getting out of you. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they feel that they can talk to me about anything, uh, you know, even coming into this office none of the Wausau mayors before me had come out and said, you know what, I'm going to stand next to that presidential candidate that I care about. And you're going to know who I'm voting for. That was one piece of advice that I got from multiple mayors. Don't let anybody know uh, who you vote for. And I was like, well, that's not really what I stand for. <laughs> that's not really what I'm about. So it's been interesting. Um, but, you know, after having those conversations, I even had somebody who's a very, very hard right person say to me, you know what, I think you're a secret Republican. That's <laughs> like, why do you think that? Well, I mean, you and I are right there on the fiscal issues. I'm like, how can you not be as a local elected official? We have to be fiscally responsible. We don't you have get to be thrifty, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will take all the money that Washington wants to give to us. Do not get me wrong, but um, you do have to be thrifty. And that's one of the, I think going back because you and I have not met in person, but I, oh. I think you are by uh, impression of your online presence and and is is why I think I said what I said as far as being one of my favorite Wisconsin politicians, because you are very authentically yourself. And that comes through on everything you tweet, everything you put out. And I think it's something that is uh, harder. I think it's just, if, and I don't know why, like I don't know what the disconnect is, but I think a lot of times it's hard to get that same authenticity and just seeing people for who they really are. And so is that, hard? Has that been hard? Or is that the easiest thing just because you've just committed to doubling down on always staying true to yourself? Well, I'm, it's not easy, I would say, um, because you are kind of exposing yourself. Um, you're showing people where your vulnerabilities are. You're actually reacting how you want to react to, you know, I'm not pretending. Um, and I think, you know, I know, I know people who are politicians who are super plastic and, you know, they're not, they don't actually, they're, how are you doing? And when you start answering, they're already onto the next guy. Like that, that's, um, that seems easier. Uh, oh, but I, I know really, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might've seen a couple of them. Let, I was going to say, let's trade names sometime. <laughs> <We'll dish. laughs> um, but yeah, I, it is hard. I mean, again, like that vulnerability is tough, but it also makes it easier because we are all human. We will falter. 
I'm, I don't want people to think that I'm some, something that I'm not. And I don't want to pretend that I'm going to make, you know, the decision that in hindsight was the number one decision, right? I'm going to do what I think is the best at the time, but, you know, open myself up for criticism too. Katie, I'd love to ask you a question, but first I just wanted to, you know, say kudos to you. I, I grew up in Stevens Point. I, I've been in Wausau numerous times, a ton of people who come to Benacqua, uh, you know, live in, live in Wausau. And I know how hard uh, the headwinds must have been for somebody who leans left to get elected mayor. So congrats. Thank you so much for running and thank you for being yourself. And, you know, thank you for just, you know, keeping your head down and sticking to the basics. And I think that's probably, you know, that's just true, good, good campaigning and running. So that's my thank you. Now I have a question. Um, I am really in like excited or like when I read about the universal basic income grant that you guys are doing in Wausau, I was like, holy cow, like this is this is like the coolest thing ever. And it's coming out of Wausau for crying out loud, which there's a lot of cool things come out of Wausau, but it's not necessarily known for like having cool new kind of public policy. So uh, can you tell us I know about universal basic in income, but I don't think everybody else does in our audience. Can you tell us a little bit more about universal basic income, the idea, and then how, what, what, what WASA is doing with it? Yes. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than uh, universal basic income. It's that guaranteed income. And so that's really focused on targeted um, populations, people who are the most vulnerable, people who are a certain point, uh, you know, they have demographic influences, they maybe live in certain zip codes, they maybe have certain things playing into them not having money. So it's not everybody getting $500 a month. It's very specific people who need it the most getting $500 a month, but it's no strings attached. You're not, um, you're not going to show up to the cash register and not be able to buy certain things. Um, so that's really the cool part. And, you know, the way they've done it in Stockton, they've given people debit cards and researchers have been able to connect with the people in this program and say, what are you buying? How is it helping you? Uh, what's happening with your life? And what they're finding is that 75% of this money is, is spent on food and clothing, uh, which is what you'd expect. Less than 1% is spent on tobacco and alcohol. Um, and people are saying, you know, I actually am happier. I could quit that one job so I could do homework with my kids. I don't have to take out a title loan and sell my soul. Um, and it's actually improving people's lives. They're saving for down payments on homes or cars. Um, so it is improving people's lives in a big way. And they get their dignity back. Um, I think that's the big thing. So when I started hearing about this, I was like, I, how, do, how do I get to be a part of this? How can WASA do this? You know, and um, so they... They reached out to me. I liked a tweet and they were like, hey, are you interested? And I was like, of course, of course I'm interested. So it's actually a little bit challenging with all of the regulations of giving people money. You would think it would be easy, but it's not. Um, so we're still working through that. I'm lucky to have a partner with uh, Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway in Madison. She's a couple steps ahead of us. And she's introduced me to some of the people that have helped her kind of navigate this. Um, and the good news is after all of that kind of media attention. Uh, we actually have some other people signing on. I think Milwaukee signed on. Um, I think we're talking to Sheboygan and Green Bay too. So this could actually be really cool for a lot more places than just Wausau, but I think we'll still be the smallest city in this whole uh, experiment. And that's actually the part that I'm really pumped about is the science, science behind this. We're actually adding to the body of science to get 
informed public policy and we'll send the results to Washington and we'll have so much better policy. At least that's what I am excited about. Well, especially from, from like you said, a, a smaller, you know, Wisconsin city. Now there was a, a different form of, of guaranteed income that cities used to be able to count on a lot better. And that was called a revenue sharing. You know, there was federal revenue sharing and there was state revenue sharing. There was? The, the, yeah, the, the, you're, you're kind of young for this, but it, it was a thing, trust me. Anyway, so in all this talk about, um, you know, various stimulus bills, coronavirus relief and such, one of the things that um, Republicans in Washington have really pushed back on is the notion of more aid to state and local governments. A lot of times it's being called, you know, a bailout to corrupt cities. So as the mayor of one of these alleged corrupt cities, <laughs> I would like to hear, you know, what Wausau could do if uh, future economic stimulus bills did include help for cities, because it's, it's not like your budget grew during the pandemic. Uh, I'm thinking your expenses probably did. Yeah, and I would say even more than that, you know, we're trying to keep our roads uh, drivable for people and it costs a million dollars to, to build one mile of road in Wausau because we have to replace all of the pipes and the water and all of that. Like, it's really important that we keep all of that updated. So it's expensive. And when you're building anything, I'm sure you've been paying attention uh, to all the prices. I mean, it's so expensive. Some of these products are costing 500% more than they would have last year. So it's expensive. Um, the things that we can do with stuff like this, I'm really excited. Plus is getting almost $16 million in the American Recovery Plan. And I, I'm hoping that we can use it towards our new drinking water facility. So that will help real people uh, by helping us borrow less um, and hopefully not having to raise our water rates so much um, because we're able to borrow less for that. So like that's, that's real impact. Um, and that that's just the start of this. So I'm hoping roads, it's also boring. Like I want to talk about all the cool stuff we could do if we just got the basics right. But really, we really do have to focus on the basics right now. People, people need that. All right. Well, then final question. That's not so basic. Um, <laughs> what's, what's up with the goats? <laughs> what's happening with these goats that I keep oh, saying? Oh my gosh. See, this is another thing where I was on Twitter. It seems like I'm on Twitter all the time. I feel like that's how people got to know me. And that's the Twitterer cool. in chief. Yes. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Uh -oh. I'm, I'm next. Uh -oh. <laughs> Don't but say yeah. that, Pat. Come on. <laughs> so that, that's we triggering. Have, we have this um, we have this park uh, that is really amazing, uh, Barker Stewart Island in Wassa, but it's really overgrown with invasive species, buckthorn in, in specifically. And we've been talking about trying to get rid of it. And you know, the parks department has sprays and you know ways to do this, but it's right by the river too. And of course, we don't want to spray by the river. And I was like, we we need goats. I saw something about municipality using goats to get rid of buckthorn. And I was like, we're doing this. And it just took off. And actually, so our parks department has been interviewing farmers and uh, we're going to do it this year. They're going to be eating not just on Barker Stewart Island, but also I think probably at Sylvan Hills. We have some uh, some invasives up there. So really excited wait, for them to come. Wait, Katie, Ladies Katie, and gentlemen, wait, Katie, we have come full circle no. in the show here. What? How did that happen? Were you listening? Were you listening ahead of time, Katie? I, I, no, I, I doubt I, that she heard my opening rant oh on buckthorn. So what you're saying is that we need to get Pat a goat. Pat no. needs yes. a goat. Pat needs a goat. Tell to Katie what you were talking about, Pat. Tell Katie what you were talking about. But, it, I, but this is going to be very dangerous for, for me to fight buckthorn with a goat or two. Wouldn't necessarily, well, it might be symbiotic because we'd, we'd use the goats for a while. But both my wife and I have traveled abroad into places where, you know, goat is on the menu all the time. And I got to tell you something, 
we love goat. So <laughs> this might be like the modern day Thanksgiving turkey, you know? So you might want to check I'm going to exclusively start that, saying yeah. you baby goat videos, Pat. <laughs> oh no. Now, just yeah, to start all of a sudden, you out of not eating goat. All of a sudden you're going to see Pat on this like Sylvan Hills in Wausau, like, <laughs> like in like a dark suit. <laughs> I'm just I coaching Wasa's goats. Hey, I was going to invite you for a visit goats. to Goat Fest, but I don't know now. You know, if a goat goes missing, now I'm suspect number one. But you know what? My 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 uh, property line is going to look a hell of a lot better. Katie Rosenberg, Mayor of Wausau, thank you. Come back again soon. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate it so much. All right. Uh, let's take a break, and then we'll wrap up the show. You're up north. <laughs> Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow. That's Kristen Bry over there by Lake Michigan. And uh, jumping the gun here is one Kirk Bankstead from Lake Minocqua. Hi, everybody. I, I'm lost in my notes, but well, Pat, you are take because it away. We got, we got so sidetracked with, you know, my, my new role as the Buckthorn Slayer. <laughs> Buckthorn Slayer. You're also a goat slayer, apparently. A, a yeah. goat poacher. A, a goat poacher. Is that you know, the worst name you've ever been called? I was going to say, it could be a little bit worse, and let's not go down that road, shall we? Um, <laughs> switching gears now, let's talk about Assembly Speaker Robin Voss here, because I didn't think we'd spend time on a Facebook profile photo. But this is what it's come to in terms of the, you know, the, the, the hubris or whatever it is of some people who feel like they've got power and then can just mock an entire pandemic. Um, it's no mistake that, you know, knowing that Robin Voss already has his legacy established when it comes to this pandemic. He's the one who took an eight-month taxpayer-funded vacation last year, keeping the legislature from doing anything other than going to court to fight Governor Evers on public health safeguards. But somehow he managed to sink even lower with something as benign as a Facebook profile picture because the picture included a banner with, with him with a goofy smile, and the banner says, I have an immune system. Now, you can take that one of two ways. It's either an anti-vaccination pitch or it's his way of promoting, you know, natural herd immunity, saying that public officials shouldn't do anything about safeguards because if we just let the virus work its way through everybody, we could all get back to normal faster, except, of course, for all those folks whose immune systems were overcome by the virus. So either way, for Wisconsin's top Republican to post a profile pic with the juvenile saying, I have an immune system, really tells you how he feels or that he has no feels that more than 6,700 people in Wisconsin have died and many of them didn't have to if only there'd been actual leadership on safeguards, closures, financial relief to families and businesses. And yeah, nobody should get worked up about a profile pick, but that one really stuck in a lot of people's craw this week. I also so feel like there's a, such a good chance that he's disingenuous that he actually got the vaccine. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a, like, I would never be, I would not be surprised at all if he posts that picture for the publicity of it and like looking like he's appealing to the people who are falling in the camp of, I don't need a vaccine, but he actually got it because that just kind of seems like the kind of guy that he is. But what yeah, do I know? I agree wholeheartedly. It's like, you know, he got the vaccine, but you know that he wants to play to this red meat crowd that's not getting the vaccine and, and taking it up a level to like the North Woods. It, I, 
have been it's just like when trump started mocking this vaccine it was like this has got to be our new storyline and every last republican that you know that is in the state of wisconsin at the state level has taken on this theme this very cavalier theme of like kind of like actually like like boasting that this they're better than this virus or this 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 virus isn't isn't bad it's, it's not like, supposed to be a macho thing it's public no. health for god's sake and and like you know i ran against this guy who we made the new york times because he was so nuts like he hired a server you know he had a server who got covid at his restaurant because he wasn't taking care of his own employees she gave it to her husband he died of covid and that's why the new york times actually did a story in Manaqua because there was such a stark contrast between these state legislators well, who could it, care it less. Was one, it was one example of, of many that we've seen in politics. You know, the one area where, again, I keep coming back to this, we're expecting leadership. And instead, what we had earlier this week, for example, was a Democratic state senator who caught COVID, who could not even take part in a virtual legislative session, even though the technology is there, because the Republican leadership demands that they be there in person. But that whole notion of a virtual legislature takes us to our final story of the day. <laughs> and that is where the Canadian Parliament has tried to meet virtually. And as you know, as you know, here, and every place else, we're doing things virtually. I mean, Kirk and Kristen and I have yet to be in the same room, but we're able to do this through Zoom and we're able to adhere to certain things like keep our microphones at a similar level, keep our camera and lighting working fine, keep our pants on. And that takes us <laughs> to William Amos, who represents a, a district in Quebec, uh, who managed to show up on the screen with his fellow lawmakers completely naked. <laughs> He says he was out for uh, what? Out for a run or something? And I love his his statement by email. This was an unfortunate error. My video was accidentally turned. I don't. I can't do a Canadian accent. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My my video was accidentally turned on as I was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog. I sincerely apologize to my colleagues in the House of Commons for this unintentional distraction. Obviously, it was an honest mistake, and it won't happen again. Really. Honestly, an honest mistake. I don't know, Kristen. It... Yeah, I don't you think he did it. On, you think he did it on purpose? You know, he's not the first person to be caught on Zoom. You know, oh, it's he not didn't like do it wear, on purpose. It's not like people wear trench coats anymore. You know, this is this is the modern day trench coat, if you will. So you think just this a is reminder, like this is a streakers, a streakers new high is showing up, showing and, up to Zooms, being like. Right. Yeah, we got we got mooning and mooning on zoom mooning or something like that um so folks <laughs> however you're handling your virtual schooling work radio show what have you keep your pants on no matter which way the camera's pointed hey for Kristen bride kirk bankstead i'm pat Kreitlow. thanks for joining us at the cabin this week we'll see you next week up north